0: Book of Mormon concerns and questions. Number one, what are 1769 King James Version edition errors doing in the Book of Mormon? An ancient text? Errors which are unique to the 1769 edition that Joseph Smith owned? Number two, When King James translators were translating the King James Version Bible between 1604 and 1611, they would occasionally put in their own words into the text to make the English more readable. We know exactly what these words are because they're italicized in the King James Version Bible. What are these 17th century italicized words doing in the Book of Mormon? Word for word? What does this say about the Book of Mormon being an ancient record? Examples given comparing Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 to 2 Nephi chapter 19 verse 1. The above example, 2 Nephi chapter 19 verse 1, dated in the Book of Mormon to be around 550 BC, quotes nearly verbatim from the 1611 AD translation of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, King James Version, including the translator's italicized words. Additionally, Joseph qualified the sea as the Red Sea, The problem with this is that A. Christ quoted Isaiah in Matthew chapter 4 verses 14 through 15 and did not mention the Red Sea. B. Red Sea is not found in any source manuscripts. And C. The Red Sea is 250 miles away. Example given comparing Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 to 3rd Nephi chapter 24 verse 10. In the above example, the King James Version translators added seven italicized words not found in the source Hebrew manuscripts to its English translation. Why does the Book of Mormon, completed 1,200 years prior, contain the exact identical seven italicized words of 17th-century translators? Number three, the Book of Mormon includes mistranslated biblical passages that were later changed in Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible. These Book of Mormon verses should match the inspired JST version instead of the incorrect King James Version that Joseph later fixed. A typical example of the differences between the Book of Mormon, the King James Version, and the Joseph Smith Translation. 3 Nephi chapter 13, verses 25-27 through 27. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they saw not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 27 from the King James Version of the Bible, not the Joseph Smith Translation. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? The above Sermon on the Mount passages are identical, which is understandable as Christ may have said the same thing to both groups of people in the old world as well as the new world. Let's look at the JST version of the above identical passages. Joseph Smith translation of the same passages in the LDS Bible for Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 27. And again I say unto you, Go ye into the world, and care not for the world, for the world will hate you, and will persecute you, and will turn you out of their synagogues. Nevertheless ye shall go forth from house to house, teaching the people, and I will go before you. And your heavenly Father will provide for you whatsoever things ye need for food, what ye shall eat, and for raiment, what ye shall wear or put on. Christ's sermon on the mount in the Bible and the Book of Mormon are identical. Joseph Smith corrected the Bible. In doing so, he also corrected the same identical Sermon on the Mount Passage in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is, open quote, the most correct book, close quote, and was translated a mere decade before the JST. The Book of Mormon was not corrupted over time and did not need correcting. How is it that the Book of Mormon has the incorrect Sermon on the Mount Passage and does not match the correct JST version in the first place? Number four, DNA analysis has concluded that Native American Indians do not originate from the Middle East or from Israelites, but rather from Asia. Why did the church change the following section of the introduction page in the 2006 edition of the Book of Mormon shortly after the DNA results were released? The Lamanites, and they are the principal ancestors of the American Indians, to the Lamanites, and they are among the ancestors of the American Indians. Number five, anachronisms. Horses, cattle, oxen, sheep, swine, goats, elephants, wheels, chariots, wheat, silk, steel, and iron did not exist in pre-Columbian America during Book of Mormon times. Why are these things mentioned in the Book of Mormon as being made available in the Americas between 2200 BC and 421 AD? Number six, archeology. There There is absolutely no archeological evidence to directly support the Book of Mormon or the Nephites slash Lamanites who numbered in the millions. This is one of the reasons why unofficial apologists are coming up with the limited geography model. It happened in Central or South America and that the real Hill Cumorah is not in Palmyra, New York, but is everywhere and possibly somewhere down there instead. This is in direct contradiction to what Joseph Smith and other prophets have taught. Never mind that the church has a visitors center there in New York and holds annual Hilcomora pageants. We read about two major war battles that took place at the Hilcomora, Rama to the Jaredites, that numbered in the deaths of at least two million people. No bones, hair, chariots, swords, armor, or any other evidence found whatsoever. Compare this to the Roman occupation of Britain and other countries there are abundant evidences of their presence during the first 400 years AD, such as villas, mosaic floors, public baths, armor, weapons, writings, art, pottery, and so on. Even the major road systems used today in some of these occupied countries were built by the Romans. Additionally, there is ample evidence of the Mayan and Aztec civilizations, as well as a civilization in current-day Texas that dates back 15,000 years. Where are the Nephite or Lamanite buildings, roads, armor, swords, pottery, art, etc? Latter-day Saint Thomas Stuart Ferguson was BYU's Archaeological Division, New World Archaeological Funding, founder. NWAF was financed by the Church. NWAF and Ferguson were tasked by BYU and the Church in the 1950s and 1960s to find archaeological evidence to support the Book of Mormon. This is what Ferguson wrote after 17 years of trying to dig up evidence for the Book of Mormon. You can set the Book of Mormon geography down anywhere because it is fictional and will never meet the requirements of dirt archaeology. I should say, what is in the ground will never conform to what is in the book. Letter dated February 2nd, 1976. Number 7. Book of Mormon Geography. Many Book of Mormon names and places are strikingly similar to many local names and places of the region Joseph Smith lived. The following two maps show Book of Mormon geography compared to Joseph Smith's geography. The first map is the proposed map constructed from internal comparisons in the Book of Mormon. Throughout the Book of Mormon, we read of such features as the narrow neck of land which was a day and a half's journey, roughly 30 miles, separating two great seas. We read much of the hill Oneida and the hill Rama, all place names in the land of Joseph Smith's youth. We read in the Book of Mormon of the land of desolation, named for a warrior named Teancum, who helped General Moroni fight in the land of desolation. In Smith's era, an Indian chief named Tecumseh fought and died near the narrow neck of land, helping the British in the War of 1812. Today, the city Tecumseh, near the narrow neck of land, is named after him. We see the Book of Mormon city Kishkimen located near an area named on modern maps as Kishkimenidas. There are more than a dozen Book of Mormon names that are the same as, or nearly the same, as modern geographical locations. A table compares actual place names to Book of Mormon place names. Alma, compared to... Valley of Alma, Antrim, compared to Antum, Antioch, compared to Aniante, Boaz, compared to Boaz, Helam, compared to Helam, Jacobsburg, compared to Jacob Jerusalem, compared to Jerusalem, Jordan, compared to Jordan, Kishkaminetas, compared to Kishkamin, Lehi, compared to Lehi, Mantua, compared to Manti. Moravian Town, compared to Morianton. Noah Lakes, compared to Land of Noah. Onida, compared to Oneida. Onida Castle, compared to Oneida Hill. Rama, compared to Rama. Ripple Lake, compared to Waters of Ripley Sodom, compared to Sodom, Shiloh, compared to Shilom. Sherbrooke compared to Sure. Source Book of Mormon authorship. A closer look. Vernal Holly. Why are so many names similar to Book of Mormon names in the region where Joseph Smith lived? This is all just a coincidence? Hill Camorra. Off the eastern coast of Mozambique in Africa is an island country called Comoros. Prior to its French occupation in eighteen forty one, the islands were known by its Arabic name Camora. There is an eighteen oh eight map of Africa that refers to the islands as Camora. The largest city and capital of Comros, formerly Camora, Moroni. Camorra and settlement Moroni were common names in pirate and treasure hunting stories involving Captain William Kidd, a pirate and treasure hunter, which many nineteenth century New Englanders especially treasure hunters, were familiar with. In fact, the uniform spelling for Hill Camora in the 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon is spelled as Camora, C-A-M-O-R-A-H. Pomeroy Tucker was born in Palmyra, New York in 1802, three years before Joseph Smith. He is considered to be a contemporary source. This is what he said about Joseph Smith. Joseph had learned to read comprehensively, reading works of fiction in records of criminality, such, for instance, as would be classed with the dime novels of the present day. The stories of Stephen Burroughs and Captain Kidd and the like presented the highest charms for his expanding mental perceptions. Mormonism, its origin, rise, and progress, page 17. Some apologists say that Tucker's Mormonism, its origin, rise, and progress, is anti-Mormon, and thus anything in the book cannot be trusted. The problem with its premise is that LDS scholar and church history compiler B.H. Roberts quoted Tucker for background information on Joseph, and Fair Mormon has an article where they quoted Tucker four times from his book as support for Joseph, and even referred to Tucker as an eyewitness to Joseph and his family. Is Tucker's peripheral information only useful and accurate when it shows Joseph and the church in a positive and favorable light? Open quote. We are sorry to observe, even in this enlightened age, so prevalent a disposition to credit the accounts of the Marvelous, even the frightful stories of money being hid under the surface of the earth and enchanted by the devil or Robert Kidd, Captain Kidd, are received by many of our respectable fellow citizens as truths. Close quote. Wayne Sentinel, Palmyra, New York, February 16, 1825. Notice that this is considered prevalent and received by many of our respectable fellow citizens as truths. The above contemporary 1825 Palmyra, New York newspaper, quote, was not tainted by any desire to damage Joseph Smith. This article provides a snapshot of the worldview of 1825 New England. Hill Kimora and Moroni have absolutely nothing to do with Kimora and Moroni from Captain Kidd's stories. Stories that Joseph Smith and his treasure-hunting family and buddies were familiar with? The original 1830 Book of Mormon uniform Kimora spelling. This is all just a mere coincidence? Number eight. There was a book published in 1825, Vermont, entitled View of the Hebrews. View of the Hebrews compared to the Book of Mormon. View of the Hebrews was published first edition, eighteen twenty three, second edition, eighteen twenty five, Book of Mormon, eighteen thirty. Location for View of the Hebrews was Vermont, Poultney, Rutland County. Note: Oliver Cowdery, one of the Book of Mormon witnesses, lived in Poultney when View of the Hebrews was published. Book of Mormon location: Vermont, Sharon, Windsor County. Note, Windsor County is adjacent to Rutland County. Both include the following. The destruction of Jerusalem. The scattering of Israel. The restoration of the ten tribes. Hebrews leave the old world for the new world. Religion, a motivating factor. Migrations, a long journey. Encounter seas of many waters. The Americas, an uninhabited land. Settlers, journey northward. Encounter a valley of a great river a unity of race, Hebrew, settled the land, and are the ancestral origin of American Indians. Hebrew, the origin of Indian language, Egyptian hieroglyphics, lost Indian records. The view of the Hebrews says that there's a set of yellow leaves buried in Indian hill. Elder B.H. Roberts noted the leaves may be gold in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith claimed the gold plates were buried in Hill Cumorah. Breastplate, Urim and Thummim. A man standing on a wall, warning the people, saying, Woe, woe to this city, to this people, while subsequently being attacked. View of the Hebrews says, Jesus, son of Ananus, stood on the wall, saying, Woe, woe to this city, this temple, and this people. Come to preach for many days, went upon a wall, cried with a loud voice, Preached of destruction of Jerusalem, had stones cast at him. Source, View of the Hebrews, page 20. The Book of Mormon had Samuel the Lamanite, who stood on the wall, saying, Woe, woe to this city, or this people. Came to preach for many days, when upon a wall, cried with a loud voice, Preached of destruction of Nephites, had stones cast at him. Source, Helaman chapter 13 through 16. Both had prophets, spiritually gifted men, transmit generational records. The gospel preached in the Americas, quotes whole chapters of Isaiah, good and bad are a necessary opposition, pride denounced, polygamy denounced, sacred towers in high places, the Messiah visits Americas. In the view of the Hebrews, ketat kotal, The white-bearded Mexican messiah. Idolatry and human sacrifice. Hebrews divide into two classes, civilized and barbarous. Civilized thrive in art, written language, metallurgy, navigation. Government changes from monarchy to republic. Civil and ecclesiastical power is united in the same person. Long wars break out between the civilized and barbarous. Extensive military fortifications, observations, watchtowers. Barbarous exterminate the civilized. Discusses the United States. Ethan slash Ether. Elder B. H. Roberts noted, Ethan is prominently connected with the record of the matter in the one case and Ether in the other. Source, B. H. Roberts, Studies of the Book of Mormon. Pages two hundred forty through two hundred forty-two, and three hundred twenty-four through three hundred forty-four. Reverend Ethan Smith was the author of *View of the Hebrews*. Ethan Smith was a pastor in Pultney, Vermont, when he wrote and published the book. Oliver Cowdery, also a Pultney, Vermont resident, was a member of Ethan's congregation during this time and before he went to New York to join his cousin Joseph Smith. As you know, Oliver Cowdery played an instrumental role in bringing forth the Book of Mormon. LDS General Authority and scholar B.H. Roberts privately researched the link between the Book of Mormon, the view of the Hebrews, Joseph's father having the same dream in 1811 as Lehi's dream, etc., that were available to Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, and others before the publication of the Book of Mormon. Elder Roberts's private research was meant only for the eyes of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve, and was never intended to be available to the public. Roberts' work was later published in 1825 as Studies of the Book of Mormon. At the conclusion of his research, Elder B. H. Roberts came to the following conclusion. Did Ethan Smith's view of the Hebrews furnish structural material for Joseph Smith's Book of Mormon? It has been pointed out in these pages that there are many things in the former book that might well have suggested many major things in the other. Not a few things merely one or two or half dozen, but many. And it is this fact of many things of similarity, and the cumulative force of them, that makes them so serious a menace to Joseph Smith's story of the Book of Mormon's origin. B. H. Roberts, Mormon 70 and LDS Church Historian. Studies of the Book of Mormon, page 240. Number 9. The Late War Between the United States and Great Britain. It was an 1819 textbook written in King James Version-style language for New York State school children, one of them very likely being Joseph Smith. The first chapter alone is stunning as it reads incredibly like the Book of Mormon. Now it came to pass, in the 1,812th year of the Christian era, and in the thirty and 6th year after the people of the provinces of Colombia had declared themselves a free and independent nation, that in the 6th month of the same year, on the first day of the month, the chief governor, whom the people had chosen to rule over the land of Colombia, even James, whose surname was Madison, delivered a written paper to the great Sanhedrin of the people, who were assembled together, and the name of the city where the people were gathered together was called after the name of the chief captain of the land of Columbia, whose fame extendeth to the uttermost parts of the earth, albeit he had slept with his fathers. Along with the above King James version language style presence throughout the book, what are the following Book of Mormon phrases, verbatim, themes, and storylines doing in a children's school textbook that was used in Joseph Smith's own time and backyard, a mere decade before the publication of the Book of Mormon? Devices of curious workmanship in relation to boats and weapons. A stripling soldier with his weapon of war in his hand. A certain chief captain was given in trust a band of more than two thousand chosen men to go forth to battle, and who all gave their services freely for the good of their country. Fortifications. The people began to fortify themselves and entrench the high places round about the city. Objects made partly of brass and partly of iron, and were cunningly contrived with curious works like unto a clock in, as it were, a large ball. They polished steels of fine workmanship. Nevertheless, it was so that the freemen came to the defense of the city, built strongholds and forts, and raised up fortifications in abundance. Three Indian Prophets. Rod of Iron. War between the wicked and righteous. Maintaining the standard of liberty and righteousness. Righteous Indians versus savage Indians. False Indian Prophets. Conversion of Indians. Bands of robbers slash pirates marauding the righteous protagonists. Brass plates and it came to pass that a great multitude flocked to the banners of the great sanhedrin compared to alma chapter 62 verse 5 and it came to pass that thousands did flock unto his standard and did take up their swords in defense of their freedom worthiness of christopher columbus ships crossing the ocean a battle at a fort where righteous white protagonists are attacked by an army made up of dark-skinned natives driven by a white military leader. White protagonists are prepared for battle and slaughter their opponents to such an extent that they fill the trenches surrounding the fort with dead bodies. The surviving elements flee into the wilderness slash forest. Cataclysmic earthquake followed by great darkness. Elephants slash mammoths in America. Literary Hebraisms slash chiasmus, boats and barges built from trees after the fashion of the Ark, a bunch of it-came-to-pass, many, many more parallels. The staggering parallels and similarities of the Book of Mormon are astounding. This outstanding webpage outlines very clearly and simply just how devastating the Late War is to the Book of Mormon and its claims. Rick Render states in his paper, The presence of Hebraisms and other striking parallels in a popular children's textbook, Late War, on the other hand, so close to Joseph Smith in his youth, must sober our perspective. Page 770. Number 10. Another fascinating book published in 1809, The First Book of Napoleon, is shocking. The First Chapter. And behold, it came to pass in these latter days that an evil spirit arose on the face of the earth and greatly troubled the sons of men. And this spirit seized upon and spread amongst the people who dwell in the land of Gaul. Now in this people the fear of the Lord had not been for many generations, and they had become a corrupt and perverse people, and their chief priests, and the nobles of the land, and the learned men thereof, had become wicked in the imagines of their heart and in the practices of their lives. And the evil spirit went abroad amongst the people, and they raged like unto the heathen, and they rose up against their lawful king and slew him and his queen also, and the prince their son, yea, verily, with a cruel and bloody death. And they moreover smote with mighty wrath the king's guards, and banished the priests, and nobles of the land, and seized upon, and took unto themselves their inheritances, their gold and silver, corn and oil, and whatsoever belonged unto them. Now it came to pass that the nation of the Gauls continued to be sorely troubled and vexed, and the evil spirit whispered unto the people, even unto the meanest and vilest thereof. And it continues on, it's like reading the Book of Mormon. When I first read this, along with other passages from the Book of Napoleon, I was floored. Here we have two early 19th century contemporary books written at least a decade before the Book of Mormon that not only read and sound like the Book of Mormon, but which also carry so many of its parallels and themes as well. The following are a side-by-side comparison of the beginning of the First Book of Napoleon with the beginning of the Book of Mormon. The First Book of Napoleon. Condemn not the writing. In account, the first book of Napoleon, upon the face of the earth, it came to pass, the land, their inheritances, their gold and silver, and the commandments of the Lord, the foolish imaginations of their hearts, small in stature, Jerusalem, because of the perverse wickedness of the people. Book of Mormon, condemn not the writing, in account, the first book of Nephi, Upon the face of the earth, it came to pass, the land, his inheritance and his gold and his silver, and the commandments of the Lord, the foolish imaginations of his heart, large in stature, Jerusalem, because of the wickedness of the people. Number 11. The Book of Mormon taught and still teaches a Trinitarian view of the Godhead. Joseph Smith's early theology also held this view. As part of the over 100,000 changes to the Book of Mormon, there were major changes made to reflect Joseph's evolved view of the Godhead. Examples. In the original 1830 edition text, First Nephi chapter 3, And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of God, after the manner of the flesh. The current altered text reads, First Nephi chapter 11 verse 18, and he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God, after the manner of the flesh. The original 1830 edition text, First Nephi chapter 3. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Eternal Father. The current altered text, First Nephi chapter 11 verse 21. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. The original eighteen thirty edition text, first Nephi chapter three, And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people, yea, the everlasting God was judged of the world. The current, altered text, first Nephi chapter eleven, verse thirty two, And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people, yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. The original eighteen thirty edition text, First Nephi chapter 3, these last records shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. The current altered text, First Nephi chapter 13 verse 40, these last records shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. The following verses are among many verses still in the Book of Mormon that hold the Trinitarian view of the Godhead. Alma chapter 11, verses 38 through 39. Now Zeezrom saith again unto him, Is the Son of God the very Eternal Father? And Amulek said unto them, And Amulek said unto him, Yea, he is the very Eternal Father of heaven and of earth, and all things which in them are. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Mosiah chapter fifteen verses one through four: And now Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that God Himself shall come down among the children of men, and shall redeem His people; and because He dwelleth in flesh, He shall be called the Son of God, And having subjected the flesh to the will of the Father, being the Father and the Son: the Father, because He was conceived by the power of God, and the Son, because of the flesh, thus becoming the Father and Son. And they are one God, yea, the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. Ether, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the fountain of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name, and they shall become my sons and my daughters. And never have I showed myself unto man whom I have created. For never has man believed in me as thou hast. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. Mosiah chapter 16 verse 15. Teach them that redemption cometh through Christ the Lord, who is the very Eternal Father. Amen. LDS scholar Boyd Kirkland made the following observation. The Book of Mormon and early revelations of Joseph Smith do indeed vividly portray a picture of the father and son as the same God. Why is it that the Book of Mormon not only doesn't clear up questions about the Godhead, which have raged in Christianity for centuries, but on the contrary just adds to the confusion? This seems particularly ironic since a major avowed purpose of the book was to restore the lost truths and end doctrinal controversies caused by the great and abominable Church's corruption of the Bible. In later years, he, Joseph, reversed his earlier efforts to completely monotheize the Godhead and instead tritheized. LDS scholar Boyd Kirkland, an evolving God. Assuming that the official 1838 First Vision account is truthful and accurate, why would Joseph Smith hold the Trinitarian view of the Godhead if he personally saw God the Father and Jesus Christ as separate and embodied beings a few years earlier in the Sacred Grove?